Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Karen DeSalvo, former National Health IT Coordinator. In this segment, DeSalvo talks about the approach she took in stepping in as National Coordinator during a transformative time, why she believes health IT is still in the adolescent phase, and the work that had to be done to get buyer off the ground and get buy-in from key interoperability experts. Hi, Karen. Thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us today. Hi, Kate. I'm happy to be here. So I want to talk about your experience as National Coordinator and Acting Assistant Secretary, as well as some of your work prior to that. But first, can you talk a little bit about what you're focused on right now? Sure. Um, I am officially on hiatus. I'm staying busy with opportunities to go speak and participate in in uh, conferences and and convenings, which has been honestly quite nice because you're you're pretty busy when you're in public service. And so sometimes I would go speak at a meeting and only be able to stay as long as uh, I was hearing myself speak and not yeah. have a chance to listen to others. So I've really enjoyed the, the opportunity in these last few weeks to have, reflect and, and listen to what the world has uh, going on and where it's going. I'm really looking forward to finding more opportunities to be able to, to keep working at the intersection of healthcare and public health and technology, which is where I spent uh, most of my time at HHS. And I think there's some very exciting work and opportunities happen in, uh, in the U.S., and so I have just been more like a student than anything lately, and it's just been a delight. Oh, sounds great. Now, looking at your time as National Coordinator for Health IT, and that was for about three years, um, starting in January of 2014? Mm-hmm. That's right. So, to, to start, what was your mindset going into that role? Um, thinking about how, you know, that some of the major building blocks were in place for health IT adoption, but there was certainly a lot to be done. So how did you approach stepping into the role? Well, you know, when I got the call to interview to be the national coordinator for health IT, I told them thank you very much, but I didn't really think it was the right job for me nor me for the person. And and that was largely because I'm not really a technologist. I'm a physician and a a leader who's applied technology in clinical practice and in public health. and But as I talked more with the team at HHS, it became clear to me that what they were looking for was a leader who could apply the technology to the important work that the secretary, the president, and frankly the country needed. And so I think my mindset was, um, boy, I have a lot to learn about technology, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> but also about the team. And that time of history for uh, ONC was a point of inflection. They were just um, pivoting off of the high-tech money. You know, there'd been the huge infusion of funds through the R Act, and they had uh, put out, uh, you know, billions of dollars of grants and were well underway in the Meaningful Use Program. And that had changed the staff structure and sort of the daily work of, of uh, ONC, but that those funds, as expected, were ending. And so I certainly also walked into um, ONC in January of 2014 with the understanding that the organization was about to undergo a transformation again so that it could meet the expectations of becoming a policy shop once again and, and really think about how to take the building blocks that were in place from the high-tech funding and from the new kinds of work that was happening in the private sector and and with um, in partnership with Medicare 
and now put that data to use. And, and so it was this really interesting time of closing out what we had started in grants, helping the team on a pathway of them defining what the future would look like, uh, understanding what the, what the value was for ONC to the taxpayers, and, and then uh, also, I think, helping make sure that we didn't get too far ahead of communities that still had to put the building blocks in place that still needed support just while we were trying to help the innovators on the other end of the spectrum begin to put that data to use. Really interesting. Yeah. And so really, so that the focus was kind of moved to, um, okay, now how are we going to do more with this data we've collected and, and of course, the, the interoperability piece? Yes. You know, the interoperability component, um, the, the, the story behind that is a few things. I think some of the frustration that I was hearing really early um, when I was there, not only from uh, the health IT developers and the docs and other providers, from the team and certainly what I brought with me from the ground was that data was going into systems, but it was hard to get out. Mm -hmm. And so that was contributing to the frustration of doctors and others on the front lines who felt like they kept entering data into these electronic health records, but when they needed to know somebody's vaccine history, they couldn't find it. And as, as everybody's aware, the consumers were also quite frustrated. I think they certainly had an expectation even as early as you know, 2014, that if my data is available in banking or other sectors, why is it not readily available to me now? And yeah. the, the, the list of people who wanted access to it just keeps growing, right? I, I came directly from public health. It was a source of frustration, but also an opportunity that I saw to really better survey the community's health needs. And scientists, as, as we've all seen even more acutely in the last couple of years, really want access to that information to improve the public's health. And so as we were talking, uh, you know, as a team, uh, well, you know, I, I think I certainly said early, I thought interoperability needed to be where we should shift our focus. The team really um, was already moving there intellectually, and, and we were able to lift up our heads off the meaningful use papers and mm -hmm. think about now not the, not the you know, implementation of EHRs and data, but really how do we begin to put it to use. And the, the longer journey of that, there were two processes that happened one was that we wrote the interoperability roadmap and did that with the public and private sector. We also were concurrently writing the Federal Health IT Strategic Plan, and the roadmap was really just sort of part of the overall plan. I certainly felt like I was lucky when I stepped in at that time because it was time to refresh the Federal Health IT Strategic Plan, which is one of the congressional expectations on, on the Office of the National Coordinator, and so we were able to bring together uh, more than, than 30 health IT agencies and agencies from, a, from across the federal government to say, what are our priorities? And, you know, just like we were saying at ONC and I was hearing from the community very quickly, whether it was DOD or VA or FTC or USDA or NASA, it was interoperability as a priority. And so let's move on, on, that, on that really quickly. And I'd say the next really important concept that emerged from, from conversations with the public and private sector was that interoperability didn't mean one health IT or one EHR system talking to another or one healthcare system being able to move data to another. It was about data fluidity. So it was that sort of layer below, and that really caused us to focus a lot of attention on getting data more standardized and really thinking about how we could fulfill that idea of, of liberating data and not just making systems talk to each other, which is a 
different set of complexities and cultural shifts and legal expectations and privacy and security expectations and um, certainly kept us busy and, and I think conti will continue to uh, as, as people get it worked out. But, but, but quite frankly, the, the excitement around data, data interoperability, not just system interoperability, the data, the data piece is really, I think, because it's the currency of today and into the future, it um, really, I think, has got a lot of excitement and opportunity around it. And it means then you're not just pushing data out. People want to pull it because they want to put it to good use. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting to me that you touched on expectations. And when we do our interviews with CIOs, that's a point that comes up a lot um, in terms of the clinicians and the patients and kind of managing those expectations in a sensitive way. And, and that can't be an easy thing to do when, uh, you know, like you said, people, they know what they have in other industries, and I'm sure that it continues to be a struggle to, to try to manage expectations. Um, yes, it is. And, and health IT is still pretty much in an adolescent phase. It's still a little lanky and awkward and tripping over itself, um, not really always playing nice with others and has some maturity to do. But, but it's come so far, I think, even in the last, I mean, frankly, the last year I've felt a big turnaround. Usability still is a challenge and an issue, but because of physicians being more comfortable uh, learning to use macros or the, the level of appreciation of the technical components of EHRs, I'll just say it, you know, uh, younger physicians that are coming into the workplace that are mm -hmm. more comfortable with technology and are teaching up to their more senior peers. The technology itself is available on more kinds of devices. It's more mobile accessible. It's more internet accessible. I think we've done a better job of getting that extra data out of the CCDA, those summary tools, so that they're still pretty dense, but um, people, uh, the systems are getting better at, at filtering the important clinical information. So when I walked in in 2014, quite honestly, I mean, it was just three years ago, but it feels like a lifetime, and we were in the yeah. middle of a, of a big battle of direct. I don't know if people will remember this, right? We were just starting direct and meaningfully right. stage two, and people were struggling to figure out what the data sharing agreements would look like to get people a direct address. Um, we were still even trying to sort out e-prescribing. I mean, some of the stuff that we take for granted now. And, and then once, but once some of those tracks got laid, such as through direct and the relationship started forming, then the other conversations about data sharing um, certainly, certainly get easier over time. But I don't think we're out of the woods on expectations. And I, I think we have to really um, the industry needs to pay a lot more attention to, to system usability. The payers, whether they're public or private, have a big responsibility in this because expectations about documentation and, and, and compensation based upon that drive a lot of the complexity in the health system. And I think um, we have important technical work to do to get things like care plans that are shared documentation and templates that work better for everyone so that you're not reading everybody's notes on the team, but people can contribute. And you know, this is this is stuff that we've kind of done on paper. It's stuff that some systems are doing decently, but it's not it's not everywhere. And I think for most private practice docs and small group practices, for most smaller nursing homes, et cetera, across the country, the technology system is sort of still a source of frustration. I, I don't it will not stay that way. But um, I, I do know that, that the expectations haven't quite yet um, aligned with where the technology is in terms of, of supports for people's work. Right. Right. I'm sure our CIOs would echo that. 
looking back at the role, and which it's really interesting that, that you weren't really sure at first about whether it was the right fit, but looking back at it, what did you enjoy most about it? Oh, I loved the team. I loved the um, passion and the energy and innovation from the health IT community. It's a great, great set of people who are incredibly smart about their content area, very interested in bridging with other sectors, public health, healthcare, you know, preparedness folks. Um, and so they're always wanting to learn and, and uh, build new things. And uh, they're very um, passionate in, in, I think, all the best ways. So when they believe that a pathway is the right way, they'll stick to that pretty hard. But as soon as they, they learn and through what I think are some, you know, a lot of willingness to grow and evolve, that a new pathway is a better way, they jump right on that. And I, I love to use this, um, the FIRE and API example. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for this, you know, the, the JSON work started very early when I got to ONC. I, um, I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you the longer version of the story, sorry. But mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, we were talking about interoperability and sort of how do you free the data and not just make every system have to talk to it. And, and I, as I shared with you at the, at the beginning of our conversation, I was kind of new to some of the technical aspects of, of health information technology and read a piece about FIRE. And um, this was probably in you know, February of 2014, uh, called Doug Frisma and, and uh, Jacob Ryder or emailed him and said on a Sunday, what's this about? You know, is this hype real? And yeah. um, tell, me, tell me more about it. And then um, also received the JSON report from the JSON scientists about basically the API model. And, um, the, you know, thinking of those things together, I saw an opportunity to create doorways to data and do it in a way that was open source. And we talked about it technically as a team and um, knew that there might be some resistance because the way the JSON report was written, for those who haven't seen it, it, it kind of, it wasn't written by people who are in the health information technology field because the JSON scientists typically aren't. And it wasn't, some of the language was off-putting, like it called the health, electronic health records legacy systems. Okay. Um, but, but, I, but I wanted the advisory committees to look at it and, and give us their feedback. So. Uh, we asked uh, Mickey Chapathy and Dave McCauley, you know, two very distinguished members of the health IT community, to co-chair a JSON task force and take a look at the JSON report and see if they thought there was anything there. There, and I, I mean, their initial reaction was, "No way, no how, this would never work." These people didn't know what they were talking about when they wrote this report. And I said, "Just look at it. Pull, let's pull together a team and let's just just take the time to think about it." And over the course of that journey, it it. They, they came to a place where they realized that it was technically and culturally uh, and from a policy standpoint possible that led them to create essentially the Argonauts, um, which is the group that said, yeah, let's take fire and really push forward with the recommendations from the Jason Task Force and let and do this in a really cool, you know, roll up your sleeves, innovator way. And that's led to this evolution of fire being a really important tool for interoperability. But it was, um, you know, it was this nice dance of, private sector, public sector, private sector, public sector. It was people who initially said, not going to happen, but then they turned on their smartest parts of their brains and said, you know what, um, it, it could happen. And then all that just translated into this amazing passion that's now you know, bubbling all across the private sector and within the public sector to really change the way data is available. So I, I just love to get to work with people like that um, and, and 
hope to always get to work with them. I think that it makes for a very special field. Yeah. It's really amazing hearing how some of these things went down during what was just such an interesting time. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there, there are, yeah, pulling back the curtain, there are quite a lot of stories. Oh, I bet. I would add this too. Um, you asked her of what I'll I'll miss. I think um, just generally when you're in, in public service at the federal level, you have the opportunity to think big and do big things, and you certainly do in the private sector um, as well and at the state level. But there's something uh, pretty exciting about being able to you know sort of decide in partnership with the health IT community that it was time for APIs to be a part of usual practice in health information technology and and let's let's kind of figure it out together i think what was personally really exciting for me was how intimately the secretaries understood um, both of them that, that i got to work for and uh, the white house including the president the president's been pretty eloquent about data sharing needs and it's it's wonderful to work in an environment where the work you're doing is considered important and but it's also understood at not just a cultural and a policy but a technical level um, by the leadership and i think that gave us a lot of opportunity to make uh, quite a lot of change thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com to hear other podcasts visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.